Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Scarpins Avenue. Lebanon. And I'm a new. Lebanon. And I'm a new. Lebanon. And Lady Bunny. Happy birthday. Isn't it your Is birthday? That, no, my birthday's in August, crazy. Oh. Aren't, aren't you sweet for just wanting to celebrate me all year long? <laughs> <laughs> Why, is doing, funny? Why is that funny? Why is that funny? Isn't that what most that... people do all, all over the world? Celebrate me, me, me. Forget pride. <laughs> um, Bunny, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm on tour. I love exhausting myself and then sleeping. I sleep better on tour than at home. So something's fucked up about my home. <laughs> um, I like, I like, well, I am a very big plane sleeper. Like people will be like, girl, how do you do it? I sleep on the planes. I was like, I have, I have had some of the best sleep in my life, especially when, when before the Ponder replay, when I, when you're like traveling every single fucking day and then you, and then I would just like as before the plane even takes off, I am knocked out and I don't wake up until like we have like arrived at the gate. Like I would sleep from wheels before they go up until we're at the gate every time. I'm I'm not that lucky with sleep on flights, but I used to on, on a long flight if I'd like worked on a Friday night and had to be in L.A. on Saturday. Of course, you you know, you lose time or you gain time flying west coast i would take a sleeping pill on long flights honey if i would sleep good then but if that plane ever crashed honey no <laughs> i would wake up when i hit the water or the mountain or whatever i mean i would be good for nothing i, I when, when i would have long ones like uh uh what is it transcontinental going i would definitely take a good edible like when i would go to when we go to australia i'll I take like a good 20 milligram edible and i'll be 
I'll be good for the duration of the flight until I wake up like hungry and thirsty as hell. Uh huh. Well, speaking of trans. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we have a fascinating guest who uh, is someone I met, oh gosh, decades ago, and uh, with a fascinating, fascinating story. Yeah, I'm we're very excited. I'm happy that you got Brian. This is this is going to be a very fun interview. I'm excited already. Yes, get ready for Brian Belovich, <laughs> who is the author of the book Transfigured, and an actor, and a singer, and all of it. Yes, and a human. Yes, human being. <laughs> you mean people can be human? Yeah. Outside of their gender orientation yeah. or sexual cravings? Oh, I did not know that. Girl. Wait, you mean, wait, someone's going to come up with this crazy theory. We're all human. Like, if you could hear this, you're human. No, I mean, no. I know. It was That's too crazy. crazy. It was just one of my silliest theories. <laughs> I would now like to introduce the author of Transfigured, my journey from boy to girl to woman to man, and the subject of the documentary, I'm Gonna Make You Love Me by Karen Bernstein, Brian Belovich, who is also known and who I met as Tish Gervais. Uh, welcome to the show. Welcome, Hi. Brian. Hi. Hi, everybody. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm very happy to be here. This, I, I, I love this show. Thank you. <laughs> That's great. You. A, a lot of my old timer friends don't uh, don't, don't always like listen it? to podcasts. But no, no, they just don't listen to podcasts. So if I post something about it on Instagram, they're like, "Oh, good episode." If I post something on Facebook, they're like, "What? What's that?" <laughs> it just, just, just what? like they just don't care. They don't. What? They don't listen to podcasts. They're not hip like us, Brian. Well, I don't listen to many podcasts, but I do like this one very oh, much. Oh, honey, Thank she's you. doing the right thing. She's starting off with a compliment. I mean, he's starting <laughs> off with a compliment. Okay. She. So, Brian. My, pron my pronouns are he, him, and oh, her. Okay. <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> oh, her. And we want to uh, just say that you identify as a cis gay male of trans experience. Just yes. so we we get yes. that right. So now, honey, how long have we known each other? <gasps> oh, do we do we really have to say? Yes, I want to know. I want to know. Oh my God, thirty months. Wow. 1980, 82, well, well, no, I mean, I moved here into New York in nineteen eighty three, but we 83. met through through Nelson Sullivan, the video yes. guy. Yes. And did you have you seen Nelson's? Uh, thing on fx are you in oh yes it's for yes. five months yeah yes. they're showing nelson sullivan is the videographer who took a lot of footage of the east village uh you know the downtown scene mm -hmm. t t brian as tish gervais the uh trans performer was there at uh, in much of the footage as were you know early rupaul me, yeah. Lahama, all, all that crew, you know, everyone really, Dean Johnson, everybody, you know, the, the boy bar, everyone. And so um, that's who we met because Nelson was walking around with his camera. And here is this gorgeous creature with very thick, curly hair. And I always loved your look because it was so, you know, the, the film stars of the 40s did not wear the heavy, heavy lashes. They wore a light makeup look and you had like that big, thick, almost like, um, who is the, the, 
Rita, Rita Hayworth. Rita Hayworth. Because it was all about beautiful skin and not the heavy caked on eye makeup that oh, I wore. No. It was like a lighter eye and a red lip and then the mm -hmm. full, full hair. That were, was were, it. Were, were there any, who, who were some of your inspirations when you were, you know, uh, living as Tish Gervais? And, you know, before I even go into that, let me just say that I met Tish Gervais, performed with Tish Gervais, a trans performer with a fascinating story we're going to get into. Uh, Tish, or Natalia, another name, but Tish was a nickname, um, had a remarkable transition from Rhode Island and then detransitioned to be male. And there's also fascinating subjects from drug addiction to, you know, HIV, mm -hmm. uh, positive and all of this in within that story but let's get back to the movie stars did you idol <laughs> who did you idolize oh my god i loved i loved rita hayworth she's gorgeous rita hayworth and uh all of the you know lana turner uh i love uh, uh lana turner uh barbara stanwyck love susan hayward susan hayward you yes. know all wow. these I'm I'm looking at a lot of your pictures and it's your yours well from, from the pictures I'm seeing your style seems very pinupy. It's like pin up, it was very, yeah, yeah, it yeah, was very yeah. pinup. Was very sexy and I love like this like signature pompadour. Uh, was that like your signature thing? Yes, I always kind of just threw my hair up and it was very thick and curly and did a little pompadour with a French twist. Oh yes, that was my cunt. thing. And, it and was this very, was not a weave. This was not all a weave. you. Oh, this is all you. Oh yes. Oh. All me. Yeah. Well, can I borrow some? Because I am sitting over here bald and balding as hell. <laughs> Nothing. Well, but, uh, you you also had rather uh, prominent breasts, which contributed to the pinup look, of course. Yes, yeah. I was a I was like a, a a brunette Diane Brill. They used to say. Ooh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you Diane also and I I was Sophia Loren, and she was Jane Mansfield back in the day. <laughs> and you yeah. were referred to as an it girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meaning what? It, meaning but, it, but not meaning it like it in a derogatory <laughs> not way. Not he, she, it. Okay, not, okay. Not, not, not like a it, like it's an got it. Got it, got it, got it. Like, like More like, like, I don't even know if we can say the it girl now. That might be politically incorrect. We might get well, backlash. I don't worry about that We might get trolled. <laughs> trolled. Oh, oh, honey, she, we, no, we are trolls. She referred to her as it. <laughs> no, no, baby, we are trolls. They can't troll us. <laughs> That's <trust> right. Me. <laughs> uh, uh, you can't troll the trolls. So and then so and, and so um so you guys so you met Bunny when when you were performing. Where were you like? So I, I'm very curious. Back then, was it like you had your set nights? Like were you like every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at this club, or like how was the scene? Like because you were obviously a very popular um, performer and and, and entertainer at the time. Like were you like? the girl who was working every night of the week? I was working out. I was going out every night of the week. Okay. I wasn't working. I, I would, we would get bookings. Um, I had a live, sh uh, live stage show that I did with a band and I had mm. backup singers. I was billed as the girl with something extra, <laughs> the bombshell of rock and roll. And I did a lot of gigs at Limelight and Palladium and Dance Interior. We performed together and at we the Dukes and Divas Dukes thing and that Divas. Gabriel Rotella put together with a live band. Yes. And yes. you were also a contemporary and close friend of Michael Musto for all these yes. years. Yes, yes. 
And, uh, and you know, it was, I was kind of an anomaly because I was a trans woman singing with my own voice. And, uh, you know, uh, not too many girls were doing that. Other than Jane County, we have to give, you know, yeah, Jane. Yeah, Jane, Jane was a great. The, the legendary great. Jane County. She was, you know, one of the first, really, that was. Uh, and I was just trying to carve out a career, you know, like anybody mm -hmm. else. And, uh, you know. You were a big fan of, of Diana Ross, but did, yeah. you, you also liked, I think you used to cover Itsy Bitsy Teeny Weeny Yellow Pocket. <laughs> so it was a vintage thing going on yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, it was like 50s, 50s, 60s rock and roll. And that was an that was like an 80s thing to do, is really to go back two decades and do, you know, like kitsch from the 50s and 60s. We were mm. kind of all about that look. Yeah, yeah. Some it, might say yeah. I still am. <laughs> as, as I approach my 60s. <laughs> so, Brian, you have such a fascinating story. Um, the only person that I know with um, a story similar to yours is Flame Monroe. Flame Monroe has a story, you know, uh, um, Flame transitioned and detransitioned, and um, but she still lives her life with breasts and all those things. And so it's truly fascinating. Wow. When, and has when children. And has children. When did you transition? Because because you say boy to girl, girl to woman, woman to man. When did you transition from boy to girl, in in your in your headspace? I, I was in my teens. Mm. I was sixteen, and I was already you know experimenting with uh, HRT. Oh, so I was, okay. I was I was following which my is hormone replacement hormone, therapy hormone, for those that don't know. Yeah, well, hormone replacement therapy, and uh, you know, I would just go to the doctor or the girls, you know, the older girls that kind of took me under their wing, would just give me some of their prescriptions. So I had started considering transitioning in my teens, and then I really fully transitioned. Uh, you know, I was. Oh God, 18, 19, I was really uh And living. by fully you mean like you were like on like a strict regimen of HRT. Yeah, yeah. HRT and silicone and uh you know, horm uh you know implants. electrolysis and I, I didn't get my implants. I didn't get my implants until my twenty first birthday. <laughs> but, um, but now I was remember that a gift to yourself or a gift from a zaddy? It was a gift from my um, my then fiance, future husband at the time. Wow. Yeah. Now, and, is this the military guy? Yeah, the GI. Uh, well, tell us about that, because you were, you know, oh my not God, only trans, but you, honey, she, listen, Tish, Tish was lovely and she completely passable. I mean, the so pictures. Yeah, they're so passable that she went to live on a military base with her husband in that Germany. That is great. Oh, my God. Okay, Brian, okay, continue. <laughs> this is this is fierce. <laughs> yeah, I was 23, and he mm -hmm. was 19. Wow. And one day, you know, we, we'd been dating for a while, and one day he came home from work, and he's like, oh, he kept losing jobs. He couldn't keep a job. He had a very bad temper. And he came home one day and he said, oh, hey, I went to the recruitment office and I signed up to join the army. <laughs> and I was like, are you out of your fuck? Can you swear? Are yeah, you I'll, out I'll of your you. fucking mind? The <laughs> army? What the hell? And, you know, me being the self-centered bitch I was back then, what the hell am I going to do? You know, I, I'm going to sit, sit here knitting sweaters waiting for you to get home? I mean... He's like, oh, well, you know, maybe you can come with me and maybe we can get married. And I'm like, married? <laughs> so little, little miss, 
intrepid, you know, you know, always <laughs> trying to figure out a way to wait, make things work. I had a female ID. Wow. I went down to the How city. How did you get that? I mean, to be fair, I, I changed got, my I, name. I changed okay. my name legally from Brian Belovich to Natalia. Got uh, it. And agenda marker said female. And the gender marker came back. And the woman looked at me all through the counter and looked at me and looked at the form and checked F and flipped it back through Work. the box. Work. And I said, okay, I got the New York, the Rhode Island State Driver's License that said female. And uh, went and applied for the marriage license. And, you know, I mean, my thinking back then was like, why not? I should be yeah. married like anybody else. And so... <laughs> And this was someone, your, your book has photos of your engagement yeah. night, or was it the, oh, the wedding? The wedding. The wedding. And so, but you know, obviously your husband knew yeah. what was going on. Yeah. He knew of your course. tea, as they say. Yes, he knew the tea. Yes, I met him in a gay bar in Providence, okay. Rhode Island. And, you know, he had, you know, I don't want to talk too much about his personal busyness, but yeah. he had his own experiences. Um, Got it. He was a doorman at the bar that, that I, uh, we used to hang out after school. We'd go downtown to the bar. But we got married and then um, had a ceremony, a wedding his fa family attended. No one knew. Wow. Um, the family didn't know. My mom was there. My little brother, they knew. Right. Um, friends from college. You know, it was all under the, ra under the radar, very stealth. And wow. back then, it was much safer to be that way. Like today, you could be trans, and it's like a great, beautiful, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's not a big secret like it was back then. But mm -hmm. I was very in the closet about all that stuff. And then we got married, and he went overseas. He got stationed in Germany. And uh, I went over there to live with him. For how and long I did was, you live in Germany? I was there for over a year. Nice. I was traipsing around the army base and the <laughs> barracks and the PX and having coffee and donuts with the other wives and doing Tupperware parties and right, carrying that is on. Incredible. Yeah, it's uh, rumor has it there's another story that has similar aspects. Would of, that be Hedwig and the Angry Inch? Oh yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Rumor, we're, we're, allegedly, we're, we're, allegedly. Wow. Right, right. Yeah. Well, there's a, there are also comparisons drawn with Jane, Jane County's story, Jane. who who yeah. went over to Germany yeah. uh, in 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 her adulthood. So, was that? I mean, you'd already been passing uh, as a woman for years, but was that at all scary? I mean, you get on a plane to a foreign country, mm -hmm. you don't know if you're going to be, you know, recognized as trans. Like you say, back then, stealth was important, you know, like passing, because if you didn't, you were kind of in trouble. There wasn't this huge, you know, movement celebrating trans people. No, no, not at all. No, it was terrifying. I, I write a lot about it in my book, actually. There's a whole chapter on my trip going to Germany and I had taken a couple of pills to pass out on the plane because mm. I was so terrified of going through customs. And when I got there, I had to go through this military checkpoint. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that I was gonna have to go through this military checkpoint. So oh I'm like, oh, now if they don't clock me now, they'll never clock me. So I got, <laughs> I got through the checkpoint. <laughs> And the guy looked at me. He looked like he was ready to eat a, eat a big meal. He was like looking me up and down like a hungry wolf. 
<laughs> you know, he was like, oh, hello, miss. How are you today? And he's like, nah, his tongue hanging out. Oh and I God. said, okay, I'm getting through this one, check. So then I got through that. <laughs> then the next hurdle was going over to the base and getting my military ID and my photo ID for, you know, to get on and off the base. And that was another, you know, check, got through that. Wow. And uh, it was terrifying. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's another story of a trans woman who was dating a GI called Soldier Girl. Soldier Story or Soldier... Is that uh, Calpurnia? Yeah, Calpurnia story. Yeah, yeah. And and and, and was Calpurnia... The guy, her boyfriend, was murdered. Oh, my God. It's a true story. Yeah, there's a documentary about it. Um, Calpurnia is also from Tennessee. So we do... do, I don't know her from there, but I know her from L.A. I mean, that wow. was much later than my story, but, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah, it was very uh, dangerous and very terrifying. I had a lot of anxiety, of course, but I smoked a lot of weed and hash. I was stoned half the time, so I really didn't give a shit. But but there was a lot of terrifying uh, moments. Um, doesn't, that, doesn't weed lead to paranoia? It can. It can. <laughs> It can if you're a virgin, but if you yeah. but if you are a woman about your business and you, and you know what you're doing, you good girl. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So 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 you had tradition, and then when was the conscious like what ha- like was there a signifying thing in, in your life that happened, or were you just taking like a retrospective over your life and you were like, I want to detransition. Like, talk to us about like that movement from from woman to back to man. Well, before you go there, first let's talk a little bit about um. So your marriage ended, you came back from Germany, yeah. you were a hit on the New York nightclub scene, mm-hmm. and you were also escorting, and mm-hmm. I saw that you uh, that you began your recovery from drugs in 1986. Yeah. I have no, I had no idea. I thought this was something that was in the 90s. So literally a couple years after we met, yeah. you yeah. came off the drugs, which had become a big problem. Yes, yes. Yeah, I got sober in 1986. And, uh, you know, up until that point, I had been, you know, I'd always been using different things over the years. But eventually, you know, cocaine and crack and the night night nightclubs, you know, the lifestyle, you know, the escorting, you know, turning tricks with, you know, a lot of times, a lot of the, the, the calls we went on, I worked for an agency and... A lot of times there was always free base, cocaine, mm-hmm. you know, these guys, mm-hmm. they need to get that going on to get 
you know, to get them in the mood. And mm -hmm. so I became quickly addicted to that. And, uh, you know, anyone in recovery will tell you, once you mention cocaine in their story, that's the end of it. And so oh, really? it was pretty down the drain. I, I, I actually was working at the Saint, Bunny. What were you doing I there? Was work, I was working the door at the Saint. I was the, okay. I was the celebrity door person at the Saint. And, 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 and what, someone says what, they need co cocaine to, to get in the mood. I'm like, well, bitch, if you're not in the mood, then don't come over. You, <laughs> you should be coming over in the mood. I'm not trying to get you there. Well, no, they, they might be in the mood, but then they come over and they see you and they're not in the mood. That's why they need the cocaine. Anyway, they right. see you. <laughs> so, so you were leading a double life. I was leading a, a triple life. Triple life. I okay. mean, I was living as a trans woman. Mm -hmm. I was a, a, a escort. I was celebrated in the New York nightlife as like a, this fabulous sort of, you know, it girl that you mentioned earlier. And, um, and I, was a, I was an addict. And, you know, people didn't know that I wow. was an addict. I, um, I only found out right before, you know, the, the, the reckoning. You know, yeah. um, one thing I've heard you say in an interview is, um, sadly, I wasn't accepted with open arms in the gay community as a trans woman back in the day. No. There was a level of envy I always felt from some gay men and for some even a sense of disgust. The lesbian women had their issues with it, too. So I have... I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that because we are here in Pride Month. I don't exactly know when this will air, but I've heard from a variety of trans women, including a flight attendant who is totally passable, who was ratted out on her job by two gay men. Um, oh my God, the, really? Recently? Oh, yes. Oh, uh, yes, in the last couple of years. And then, of course, Tracy Africa, the trans model who was featured on, was it Clairol? hair coloring, just yes. a beautiful creature from the ballroom community in New Jersey. And it, it also someone in fashion uh, to her told out. her tea and she lost her modeling gigs as a result wow. and kind of left to Paris where she prospered there and has only recently. So that's really awful. And I hate that. But what do you think that that is coming from when a gay person i mean you mentioned envy do you think they might want to take they might want to get the dick you're getting or they might want to do, go down your path but didn't have the nerve well i think it's a combination of both you know i think that there is this level of, i mean you know i think trans folks are some of the bravest people in the world i mean i think it's you know, uh, it takes a lot of it takes a lot of balls to, you know, like try to be your authentic self and mm -hmm. really put yourself out there and 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 open yourself up to, to that kind of criticism. And um, unfortunately, you know, uh, you know, Monet asked me, you know, we jumped ahead a little bit towards the, you know, the, the reasoning why I I made this decision. But ha that had a lot to do with it. I mean, I was ratted out, you know, I mean, I would go on, you know, uh, auditions and I was acting and playing cis, cis female roles. You know, I wasn't out, you know, um, you know, and I would go to auditions and, you know, someone would, you know, clock me and, you know, like the whispers and so uh, and gay men, gay men were really nasty to me, uh, really evil, like just 
They couldn't wait. To, you know, you could see, I could even see them. I could see them running over. And like, if I was talking to a guy and he was a straight guy in a bar, they, they would tell the guy, you know, that's a guy. That's, that's, oh, that's I, not a woman. Uh, I mean, yeah. where does that come from? I mean, you, you are now studi studying for a master's degree in mental health counseling. Yeah. Well, where do you think that that comes from? Because it, it could also be like a showbiz gossip kind of thing, because some people seek to elevate their stature by having the dirt on everyone. But right. like you say, it could also be, you know, um, jealousy. Well, I don't know where that comes from. I know, having lived as a trans woman for so many years, and you know, the, you know, a lot of gay men would love to have straight trade. I mean, let's oh, let's sure. let, let let's let's talk plain here. Yeah. yeah, a lot of men, a lot of gay men would love. I mean, not everybody, but you know, there are some gay men that fantasize. I mean, you 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 your post on Facebook the other day about the two gay, straight guys. On the cover of that magazine, that's like that's like clickbait. That's like yes. you know they they're tempting the gays with like oh these straight guys and mm -hmm. making them look like oh they're fantasy. So you know there is some truth to that. You know that right. some gay men really envied you know the freedom that a trans woman would have around mm -hmm. picking you know sex partners, and I had plenty of them. Lenny, and you know, uh, and I married one of them. Yeah, you know, I mean, and 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 uh, so there is some truth to that, but I think it's also ignorance. I also think it's you know, back then, especially. I don't know how much it goes on now, but I think back then people were just so ignorant, and there was no sensitivity to any kind of like you know, the, 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 the consequences of like what they were doing to people like me. I mean, we were already marginalized and they would just further marginalize us by like pointing to us like, at, at, like monkeys in a zoo, like animals in a zoo. Even in the gay community, in the gay community. I think, I think some of the gays, some, some like, I think some of the gays from that time, they just, it was, so, it was, I don't want to. I genuinely think it was some type of envy and jealousy that these, for lots of gay men who they were a too afraid or too ashamed because maybe they. Uh, now we have way more language, obviously, to yes. to put on things like non-binary and all these things that people can fit into these boxes. But 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 back then, the fear of well, if I'm not gay, I am I trans, and maybe they didn't. You know, there I think like a lot of stuff in that arena that they were battling inside. You know. And we weren't being told no. uh, to appreciate trans people as we are yeah. now. No. We aren't being made aware of things like trans women being murdered like we are now. We weren't being made aware of the challenges, you know, all that kind of thing. Like, like you say, if you were trans, you wanted to be under the radar so that you could move unimpeded and without harassment. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a $10 word, Bunny, unimpeded. Is it? Okay. Yes, I like that. Unimpeded. Okay. I was unimpeded. Uh, you were unimpeded? Yeah. Now, now I, and I, may I just say that I hope that you never got anything from me except friendship and oh, fanship only, and only. respect through every one of your incarnations. <laughs> no, actually, actually, we have a surprise for you, bitch. Brian is about to read the fuck out of you for all the nasty things you did and said about him. <laughs>
The library is no. open, whore. So, so, so I'm going to, to before we go to the but, but to, during to the, but during that time there were there. I mean, I won't mention any names, but you and I know people that did do that to me. I'll tell you off camera, off 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 ooh, the record. Girl. But you, I can. I'll give you a list. I got That's a list. Wild. That's so wild I got to a me. list. And, Such, and, and, sometimes he, and women. Thank, thank God for Nelson Sullivan because Nelson, if Nelson wasn't was transphobic. Or if he had some issue with trans women, I imagine all of the history and all of the important information and stuff that would would we'd be lost mm -hmm. without having Nelson's uh, brilliant, you know, openness to everyone. Which people can see on FX. Mm -hmm. uh, the mm -hmm. I don't know the name of the series, but it's Nelson called Pride. Sullivan's it's called Pride. Pride. Yeah. Pride. Okay. I'm, I'm How imaginative. <laughs> yeah. I'm How imaginative. I'm, I'm in that episode a couple of times. Yeah. At the yes. End. And of course, Nelson also uh, shot Christina, the uh, over-the-top mm -hmm. trans performer mm -hmm. at the Pyramid. You mm -hmm. were also associated with trans icon International Crisis. Oh my God, my sister! Oh. <laughs> Tell us oh a little bit God. about how you met. Oh Extremely beautiful uh, performer at the Boy Bar, a former lover of Salvador, Salvador Dali. Dali. Yes. Um, yes, yes, and she loved to tell us stories about him. Um, I Ooh, met Crisis. Any met, that you could share since I, she's gone? I met Crisis, <laughs> if I can remember. Oh my God. Uh, I met Crisis at a, a, a bar on 8th Avenue in Times Square called The Gilded Grape. I've heard which, of it. Which was a famous, it's a sushi place now, but oh. it's a it was a famous transgender uh, drag bar. It was notorious. I mean, it was a huge population of all different kinds of trans women of every, you know, age, race, diversity. I mean, just everything. And it was just such an incredible uh, place to, to be. I met, I met her there when she was doing her show at the Blue Angel. She would do a oh, show. Wow. She would do a striptease. She was a bombshell, a very big, sexy, uh, you know, pinup body and she would she had this act that she would do she would do a strip tease and she would strip all the way down with her her boobs hanging out and then she would take her g-string off and her her piece would pop out work she yeah. sounds like she, 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 she would, sounds like um that queen in new, from new york um mona exchange <laughs> Uh, no, she, Crisis was talented. <laughs> and but Crisis she, also had an act where she said, my measurements are 38, 24, 38, 9. nine. You have dirty <laughs> minds. That's my shoe size. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, we had a lot of fun. My measurements, too. <laughs> um, now, so t a, a little pulling from a interview in 42nd street you were asked about the, the when you realized that the that the escorting was going to be dangerous and and you were also wrestling with drugs you said i've had guns pulled on me by tricks that it didn't know i was trans the scariest part which isn't in my book or film was one night i met mr Goodbar. i picked up this sexy dark-haired eric roberts lookalike at a hustler bar in Hell's Kitchen, he took me back to his apartment in Tribeca and threatened to force me into whoring for him. He took a pair of scissors and was threatening to castrate me. Mm -hmm. He stuck the scissors up my nose, 
and trimmed my nose hairs. No, and was threatening <laughs> and, and, and was going to cut my nostrils. And finally, he took me at gunpoint to the ATM where I escaped. Now, was this like a rock bottom or was this a regular occurrence? This was, uh, you know, I think I'm, you know, in in the movie Wig, Wigstock, the movie, the the recent HBO one that you did. Yes. There's that last scene of me running into the train. Uh huh. Smoking the cigarette outside. Uh huh. That's the night it happened. Oh my lord. Yeah, yeah. That's the night it happened. I, it was July, so I wow. it was probably the close to the bottom of because I I got sober in November. So okay. it was July of 86. And so it was close to the bottom. But yeah, that was a pretty, that was one of the scariest things that ever happened to me. And, um, and, and when I went to the police station, you know, of course they like, oh, this woman is raped. And then I had to go through the whole rigmarole oh. of like, oh, well, I'm not, you know, I'm born, you know, I'm, I'm trans, I'm transsexual. That was the word we used back then and uh you know i was uh they treated me okay but it was still as a trans person back then very awkward um they didn't understand yeah. uh but yeah that was scary i mean i ran into the restaurant this i ran into this like four star restaurant screaming like he he had the gun and he was, uh, you know, walking me across the street from the ATM. And he's like, wait till I get you back to my apartment. You know, you're really in for it now. And I said, shit, if I don't run, I'm going to be dead. Yeah. So I saw the restaurant was open. The door was wide open. I pushed him and I ran into the restaurant screaming. Oh, my God. Help, help, help me, help me, help me. Uh. That's how I got away. That is scary, and uh, and uh, obviously we've all heard the, the stories of so many trans persons that don't get murdered, away. That don't yeah. get away. So yeah. yeah, yeah, that probably was would have been what was gonna be what's gonna happen next. It's yeah. so scary. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and then so 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 was was experience was it experiences like this that were some of the reasons why you wanted to detransition, or what well, was the catalyst of that? Well, there's a, there's not one reason. Um, it would be great if there was just like one reason, but there's not one simple answer to that question. Um, it's a series of things that happened to me. I, you know, I like I said, I, I got sober and I stopped using drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. um, I had, you know, spent like a year, you know, off of, everything i went into therapy and i started so to when you really... got sober you stopped hormones as well i no no i i stayed living as as trans for okay, a year okay. okay and um i went into therapy and i'd never been in therapy before and i started to really um you know one of the things they suggest for you when you're a person in recovery is that you take a look at your you know behavior and you take a look at the reason why you did the things you did. And so mm -hmm. I took a very deep dive into some of the things that I, you know, I did and the reasons I did them. And I, I started to understand that I really did a lot of them for the wrong reasons and that I was very depressed. I was suicidal. Um, you know, oncoming trains started to look good to me, mm -hmm. um, that whole first year. And, uh, you know, I just, I, you know, I, there's a new book out. I don't want to 
uh, this new book called Detransition Baby. It's a novel about another person who detransitions, written by a trans woman. Um, and um, she talked in an interview, which I sent sent you to Bunny, sent Bunny to look at uh, about, you know, it it's just a tough life. You know, it was I had done everything I could possibly do. I got married. I fell in love. I had a career. I had I, I acted. I I worked regular menial jobs. I I was I was passing. I, I had all of these things that I did in every single turn I faced one more obstacle mm -hmm. so it was so difficult and so and the thing about what trans people don't un, uh, some of them do but what most trans people don't understand about my story is that it's a cautionary tale it's a tale of like you know it was it's fucking hard to be a trans person and it was so hard for me in the 70s and 80s I just said the hell with this. I'm done mm. with this. You know, the beauty, the glamour, the fame, the money, the everything else, none of that really mattered because it was so difficult. It it and 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 I've said before, it nearly killed me. It really oh. did almost kill me. And and if, so how long had you been living for a woman as as a woman, not for a woman, before you decided to uh detransition live your life as a man. And also, since trans wasn't even that accepted no. back then, what, what, what were, what were, you know, maybe your friends, maybe even your therapist had not even heard of detransitioning. Or certainly they would have had, have little experience with it. Well, I do know a few other people that are not out about it, like I am, because, you know, we live in a society that, that, that judges people when they change their minds or they make mistakes. So mm -hmm. it hasn't, it's not, it's, it, it, for some people, I guess it's not safe to be out about like their decision to maybe not continue to be uh, trans or go down the trans narrative. Um, so, and I also think because of AIDS, you know, a lot of people in my generation are not here. So we lost a whole generation of people my age. And many of them, you know, might have struggled with similar things that I did and didn't have, you know, didn't go as far as I did or maybe took a shot here or there or dressed up a little bit here and there and decided it wasn't for them. So we don't have those stories today. But, but um, if you go on YouTube you'll find, you'll be shocked at what you see on YouTube if you put detransition in on YouTube. It's like, mm. it's, I, I stopped counting at 200. Wow. Right. Because I, so, I was writing a paper about it for school and I had to do some research and yeah. I, was, I was really surprised. And you, and you were living for how many years as a trans woman before you detransitioned? Almost 15 years. 15 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Got it. Wow. I mean, I, I I would imagine that being trans is uh, gets harder as you age. Well, that too, you know. I you know I, I, I did I did ask myself, do I want to be an old lady or do I want to be an old man? I mean, that was a question. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was very honest about like my expectations of you know the choices that I'd made up until that point, and up until that point, I really didn't feel like I had any other choice. 
So all of a sudden, I was presented with choices because I wasn't people-pleasing. I wasn't living for the attention. Mm. I wasn't doing it because you, Bunny, thought it was a good idea that I should do it. You know, I wasn't doing it, you know, for, you know, for, for show or for fun. Um, so, you know, the choices became, uh, uh, you know, much more um, possible. Right. You know, um, uh, it, it, well, we're, we're now at a time when there is a huge trans narrative. I mean, if you look on any gay publication, and this was not the case 10, ten years, years ago, ago. Ten maybe years. not even eight years ago, no. um, where there's plenty of story of, of, of stories of trans people and, you know, coming out as non-binary or just rejecting, you know, on Drag Race Gottmik, who I'm on this tour with, a trans man who does drag as a woman, uh, you know, is on the show saying crash the system, this, the, in other words, the system of cisgendered people. Mm -hmm. In other mm -hmm. words, b b gender is what you can, uh, is a what construct. But so, yes, we should all experience, we should be open to other gender, you know, um, equations. But your experience as someone who was trans and then detransitioned is also valid. And here's where it gets a little bit sticky. Mm -hmm. I know you, I think I'm pretty familiar with your politics as a Democrat. But, you know, when you told me that um, there, there are people who are on the right who seek to use people who detransition as an example oh, yeah, that trans sure. itself is bad mm -hmm. and that and that you know because they're all saying you know oh let's crash the system you know be the trans be the non-binary be the they be the them you know or whatever so they can some some sometimes people who want to discredit the idea of transitioning itself might try to use examples of the people who do detransition to discredit the trans movement. And all you're saying is, this is what happened to me. You're not recommending that other people um, who have successfully detransitioned, I mean, transitioned and loved it. You know, you're just saying, this is what my life was. And if we're gonna talk about, you know, the importance of being gender fluid, well, honey, you were male, you were female, and then you were male again. So you are fluid. And, and you know, you said that when presenting your, um, because you have a book, you have a documentary, and you have a play that I never got to see. I've seen the documentary of the book, but but you know, so uh, I mean, this is this is we we have to we can't just embrace the trans people who follow our narrative. And you told me that when you showed uh, someone in a creative field, something about your work, which is based on your life, their comment was JK Rowling, mm -hmm. you know, w would enjoy this. In other mm -hmm. words, mm -hmm. that you were somehow, yeah. uh, you, you, that she would enjoy it because she is a trans exclusionary radical feminist, also known as a turf. In fact, I don't even know that that's what she is, but that's what she's accused of being. And that's what she's allied with. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, with, I mean, sometimes they, I don't know exactly what went on with that, but regardless, that's hurtful. And you know, you mentioned Calpurnia Adams. She challenged some of the trans narrative, and then they were calling her 
a post-op trans woman, a drag queen who performs in gay bars, which was is a way to devalue her transition mm-hmm. and make it seem like she didn't go all the way. She's still, you know, a gay man, which is very, that's misgendering coming from the trans community. So, I mean, it, has that been challenging? Because the, the, I, what I'm trying to say is that some because your story does not fit neatly into a the narrative of oh yay let's all be trans it, like i say in no way are you suggesting people shouldn't transition you're just telling your story which involved a detransition does you are you getting pushback from people who would like for your story to be something that it isn't well yeah i mean i that that does exist and, you know, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't hurtful. Um, I know back in the 80s when I did start to do this, I mean, even our dear friend Crisis, she was freaked out. She, you know, I even... That you like, detransitioned? I, yeah, I, my trans friends, like, sort of kicked me out of the tribe. They were like, they oh, wow. thought it was like they didn't understand. And uh, And, you know, I'm just one person. And my story is really more universal if you really look at it. It's the, the universal theme of the search for self-acceptance within oneself. Um, it's really, you know, everyone can identify with that. But I find it really hypocritical for anyone, gay men, trans men, trans women, to question my choices when me, you, Monet, everybody else has been fighting for years to, to, for equality in our, our own identities, whether it's gay or, you know, gay or bi or trans or whatever. So I find that when people like the person that you mentioned said, oh, J.K. Rowling would, you know, I mean, they don't even know anything. They, they knew nothing about me. They made a judgment prior to any investigation. So I think that kind of stuff is really, really um, uh, very hypocritical. And, you know, I'm the last one to ever tell anyone what to do. And uh, I've been lucky that I've been able to sort of avoid being, I've been, I've been uh, uh, approached by, by the right wing uh, media and I've declined to engage in any kind of like, you know, I, I that's not something that I ever want to, you know, be used for or put myself in a position uh, to, to, to be uh, used as. So a lot of times we're told, you know, by Janet Mock or Laverne Cox, do not refer to at what point a trans person has had surgery. Like you don't need to know. Maybe they have boobs and maybe they don't have the bottom surgery, but you've mentioned international crisis and saying that she was proud of being a trans woman with a penis. I mean, this was why guys were coming to her. This is something that she used in her act. Mm -hmm. But this is very, very much changed because we're seeing a lot of trans people in the media, but we are mainly being told Like I was even told when I mentioned that someone was a post-op, don't refer to at what what point they're along in their transition. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, wow, in my day, 
that meant that you went on a journey and you finished it. It was not like a, a way to be like, oh, get into your business. It was like, did you finish this journey? Did you go on this journey? Did you stay here or whatever? So, I mean, what this is different from when we were coming up. Kids. Yeah. Yeah. So how? Because that was the first thing you ask. Oh, she's, uh, you know, transsexual, post-op or pre-op. You just asked that. It wasn't like a negative thing. Mm -hmm. Did she have the change? Right. It wasn't Mm -hmm. a negative thing Mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. So with your detransition, I mean, Mm -hmm. how long did that take? Was it difficult? I mean, you went, as we said, from bombshell, you know, back to being a, a man, to, to being so desirable that people wanted to pay for your pussy, to, you know, Brian, who, who did find love, and you've been with the same partner for 20 years, years but how, having your breasts removed, the, mm. uh, the effects of hormones going away, mm-hmm. h- how long and how difficult was that process? Well, it was a very difficult process, as was the first one. Um, mm-hmm. It was, uh, it took a while. Um, I know for the first year or so, I was, you know, still being misgendered. Um, People, you know, had a hard time making the shift from, you know, my name. You know, I would even run into, you know, everybody in the street. Hey, Tish, hey, Tish, hey, Tish. And I mean, there are a few people that still, you know, refer to me that way, um, which is fine. But the physical, you know, I know people are uncomfortable talking about the physical stuff, but I'm not. Um, I had very large breasts. I stopped. The first thing I did was stop taking hormones. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was like welcome to puberty because the thousands and thousands of dollars I spent on electrolysis, everything came popping back like I was really? a teenager. Yes. My hairy chest, my Portuguese, you know, hairy, <laughs> wow. Russian, Russian Portuguese, you know, all came back like, wow, gangbusters. Not right away, but over the year. And um, then I had to have my implants removed. Wow. which was a fairly easy procedure. Um, I borrowed the money from my then roommate um, and paid her back every penny. But then I had small breasts and then wow. I had to get rid of them. Got so it. I had no money. And this is a whole saga. I, I think I wrote a little bit about it in my book, but I've been saving it for my next book. Um, but I went to, I didn't have any money. I was on welfare at the time. I was, you know, getting Medicaid. And so I went to a school, a teaching school, and I had to go in front of a board of plastic surgeons because they were afraid to do the breast reduction surgery because they didn't want to get sued. Mm. So here I am. I finally decided, okay, this is what I want to be. This is... You know, and it, it's kind of similar to what kids go through now with their parents and their families about like, this is what I want to do now. And it was the opposite for me because now I had decided to retransition and get rid of my breasts. And I was being told by the medical community, no, no, mm. we're not, we're not going to do it. We, we, they wouldn't do it for me. So I, a friend, a good friend uh, went to the bank, was going to sign a loan for me to pay for a private plastic surgeon. I met a really lovely private plastic surgeon who eventually did 
the surgery and uh, it was uh, very painful and it took a very long time to, to heal. And then I had to do, I had to go to the gym and work out and build up muscle and lift weights and become like a, like a gym bunny. And, uh, you know, it was around the time of ACT UP. So I was running around with that crowd and, you know, trying to like assimilate mm -hmm. that kind of a gay, because that was the only gay that I had to model myself after. But uh, it was a very painful process. Wow. Mm -hmm. Especially when they told me, no. No, you What's, can't get it. And, and, it was and, and it was during HIV and AIDS. And so one, one doctor started to question me and say, oh, well, you were a drug addict, weren't you? And I was like, yeah, well, what does that have to do with my decision to have plastic surgery? And then, of course, I kind of figured out where they were going. They were afraid because of HIV. Mm. That was the real reason why they didn't want to do the surgery at this the one surgery. particular uh, teaching it. school. So, uh, so another thing that has really changed is the younger generations focus on pronouns and getting everything correct. I mean, almost, <laughs> almost policing language. You've said about this in an interview uh, that we need to revolve with gender. Uh, we need to evolve with yeah. gender stuff. You say, "quote," but I'm not fond of policing others. Back in my name, but back in my day. And I'm not going to say this word because they'll jump on me. It sounds like tyranny and it rhymes with granny and it starts with a TR was a term of endearment and a compliment. Everyone yeah. needs to find their own comfort level, but I'm the last one to tell anyone what to do. I mean, the thing that strikes me about this is that that word, which is considered like the ultimate no-no, it was freely used by trans people themselves. And it mm -hmm. was not really frowned on as it is today as the ultimate slur. And it is in use among, especially of our generation, you know, trans people. Jane County was b booted off of Facebook for yeah. saying that word and she is one. Yeah. So it doesn't, what, what, what do you make of today's fascination or policing of language? It's, it's very different. It feels very different to me. Well, I just, I, you know, for me, I just, you know, I just go with, you know, I, I, I want to pay respect to people wherever they, they want it. If, if you want to call me, you know, Her Majesty, you know, I'm down with, if you call me Her Majesty, call mm -hmm. me, you know, whatever. But No, that's my I, pronoun. Yeah. I'm sorry. But, uh, but uh, uh, okay, I'll take Her Highness. <laughs> Her Highness. That's my pronoun for today. So, so Her Highness. Yeah. yeah. But you know, I think I think that people have the right to be called whatever they want to be called, and I do find it uncomfortable because, like you, I'm from another generation, and I, you know, I, I also, you know, a lot of trans women use the word queen. And they mm -hmm. refer to themselves like drag queens, queen, queen, queen. Now, if you call a trans woman a queen, you're going to get in trouble for that today. But we always refer to each other as queen. Queen, queen yeah. are you crazy? Queen, hurry up. Queen. Right. Yeah. You know, so, 
So it, it, it and that could also be applied to a gay man, a drag yeah, queen, yeah. a trans. One thing that I find is so I, different is that having always been a drag queen that feels an affinity with trans people, like the one that really uh, inspired me to become a drag queen, who was trans in Chattanooga, Tasha Khan, Chattanooga's own bubbling brown sugar. I feel that we're putting up these rigid boxes now that actually sometimes drives the community apart when. I, for one, have always felt so close to trans people, and I'm not trans, but I'm. I feel that the drag, because I'm putting on women's clothes, is somehow tied to that. Not the same thing, you know. Yeah. But 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 there a is definitely bit. there is definitely intersection between trans um, tr- mm-hmm. between between a trans woman experience, a trans man, and and drag, like uh, for mm-hmm. sure, like the, mm-hmm. definitely, and like a and lot of. And that's how Peppermint know, performs. It's just tra- is trans, but she performs as a drag queen. That's yeah. what she says. And like uh, like a yeah. lot of my a lot of my trans friends, they were drag queens first. Like they they explored and with drag first, and then drag. They were like, wait, I actually like doing this, and they discovered their transness through drag. So it's like a big thing. Or they're trans and they're booked to, you know, after they put on wigs and false eyelashes to yeah. go and perform at drag bars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like all, all of those girls, Donna, Donna the Parliament House, Giselle Barbie Royale, like all these, uh, um, um, Chantel DeMarco, all these amazing trans women who are also queens, you know? Well, there was one who came up to me and would lower her voice. She looked completely like a woman and lower her voice and tell me, yo, holla at your boy. And I would hit the ground every time because, I mean, one thing that I think is funny is that often we're protecting, you know, trans women so much that we fail to realize that they have an incredible sense of humor and can be very salty. They can be intelligent. They can be dumb. They can be bitches. They can be sweet. They can be anything. You know, they're, almost, they're just like. It's almost like they're human. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> almost. Oh, is that what it is? Yes, oh, they're human beings. It's so crazy. Something that's going on in England now is a debate um, where the the conservatives are saying that these kids are being, um, they're transitioning too early and put on hormone blockers, which can, can, you know, mess up their puberty obviously if you're trans and you want to transition um you know you want it to mess up you know you not mess up but you want to change the course of your puberty so i mean i, I don't I, I it sounds like the hormones that you begin taking were you know sometimes a pres- from a friend's prescription not i mean w- did we have the science down back then the way we do now with hormone blockers and you know all of that kind of stuff Early hormones were, no. you know, kind of like catch as catch can get bootleg, take, you know, birth control pills or whatever. Well, the only the only the only pro about that is that if it's done uh, done med- medically supervised, it's safer for the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I was having this conversation with with our friend Bianca the other day about. You know, otherwise they're going to go run off at 15, 14, 15, do, you know, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with sex work, but it is dangerous. It's, you know, you can, you can contract things. You can, you know, be killed, (laughs) Um, you know, so, so it's safer if those kids want to, you know, pursue that path 
to do it medically supervised. Unlike myself, who I was 16, I never had a counseling session. I never had told anybody about what I wanted to do. I just decided for myself at 16 that I was going to take these pills. And, you know, we all know how that worked out. But, <laughs> but you know, so... So, but that's quite common for trans people. I mean, there are some trans people who even self-castrate because they are they going through puberty and they are seeing they can't afford these it. changes mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to happen to their body, you know, mm -hmm, increased mm -hmm. hair growth in their face. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, that threw me for a loop and I'm not a trans person. I absolutely, you know, hated that. Mm -hmm. I didn't think that, you know, castration was the route that I wanted to go. But yes, I mean, back then it was a very instinctive thing, you know, often done, you know, without therapists and, you know, th and the way people have it today. So mm -hmm. I guess, I guess what I'm, I'm, I'm saying is that, you know, it's interesting to me that some of your trans friends, including Crisis, who I know didn't understand the transition thing, because we all want to put people in boxes, don't, don't we? Yeah. I mean, we need, yeah. we need to really yeah. look at Tish, Natalia, Brian, or if we love you, we need to look at, and we, if we respect you as a member of our community, we got to look at whatever, you know, you, whatever changes you're going through and accept it. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I would do the same for anyone else. Yeah. And, and I think that we have to be, be more inclusive um, in, in all expressions of gender, even including, you know, I'm doing a lot of work now about educating people around this issue because it is, an, it, it is, it is under the umbrella or the, you know, under the tent of gender. Uh, and it's a component that's not going to go away. It's not yeah. going to, it's not going to not, it's not going it, to it just magically disappear because it doesn't fit into a neat little narrative or a little box of, you know, a trans narrative, you know, it's, right. it's, it's, it's part of the trans experience. And I, I know that there are many more people uh, like myself I don't think they, you know, many people have gone through the extremes that I have or taken mm -hmm. it to the level uh, that I did. But, you know, there are plenty of people who are still questioning. They're on the fence. They're, you know, um, yeah. So I think it's not going to go away. And I think we need to be inclusive, if I anything. Know, I, know that, I know that we are getting close to time. I wanted to ask, after you had detransition did you did you still perform here and there or you were or when you detransition you were like fuck drag i am i don't want to see a fucking wig i don't want to see a heel i don't want to see a lipstick fuck everything burn it oh, off one, one one of the one of the times i got in drag first times i got in drag after that was at wigstock oh buddy, and i made up i, so I buddy made up, forced it, you to at, get into drag wow funny, <laughs> but at, at gunpoint <laughs> at gunpoint I, I was in drag at Wigstock. I think it was the one that Dorian Corey was at. And, uh -huh. and, uh, and it was in Union Square Park. And there's a very funny story about Dorian Corey, you know, saying, saying something about my tits. Uh. Like she remembered. <laughs> Lipsinka has a great quote about it. I can't remember it exactly. <laughs> but that was a weird thing. It was really weird because people were used to seeing me already as... Mm -hmm. you, as you know, you know, when and out of drag, it's like, oh, yeah. you know, it's very 
mixed. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, uh, so it, it kind of freaked people out. Like, oh, is she going back now? Is she? <laughs> she's flipping back now, and she's gonna, you know. So it was very confusing for a lot of people. Well, and of course, you performed in your play. Yes, and then I... Boys don't wear lipstick. Yes, yes. I did did that every night for like, you know, two months off Broadway. As uh, Brian and Tish in the same show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you were also part of the Charles Ludlam theater scene, which who was revered as like a, you know... New York City gay theater legend, drag legend. Yes, and I'm getting in drag on Thursday, next week. For Pride, as part of, uh, uh, we're doing a Charles Ludlam uh, play, Big Hotel. We're doing it as part of a St. John's uh, Theater uh, company, and it's going to be on uh, Facebook. And, oh, cool! Uh, I want to yeah, watch. Yeah. It, it, what time is that? It's at seven p.m. I believe. I don't know if this airs before then, but when? Where? where how could we find out? Where, where would people go to find out about that? It's oh. called Big Hotel. Is that with Everett Quinton? Yeah, Everett Quinton and another um, Charles Ludlam and another, you know, and uh, a bunch of uh, ridiculous some of former ridiculous folks are in it. It's which Charles, is Charles Ludlam's theater. Company. It's Charles Ludlam's first play that he wrote, actually. Um, okay. And it's it's very wild, wild. It's very um, informed by the uh, '30s and '40s movie stars of the day. It's kind of a takeoff on um, uh, Nick, uh, the Greta Garbo movie where she was the ballerina. Mm. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And uh, yeah, it's really it's really a fun, wacky piece. What are your thoughts on Caitlyn Jenner? Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Can she build a wall around her Malibu house and just not come out? <laughs> Honestly, that would be I mean, can she just like I mean, just go away? Like just 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 go away and Well she she did announce her um her candidacy for California's governor and kind of right off the bat, or within a week or two, she had come out against men who had transitioned into women playing women's sports in school. She then changed that position three times when it did not sit well with, you know, any or many, Mm. you know, trans people. So I just don't, I don't exactly know what to make of her. I'm not sure that this isn't, this candidacy isn't the basis of a reality show, Mm -hmm. which like her first one, I did not watch. Mm <laughs> no, I mean, no. you don't think she seriously thinks she's going to win? I think because after uh, Donald Trump, a lot of people think if he can do it, why can't I? He is a fucking Probably, idiot. Yeah. A lot of people mm-hmm. think that they're like this stupid motherfucker won the presidency. I surely can be a governor. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people have that mindset. You well, could be I mean, a governor, we, and you could right. be a governor, Girl, and you if, could be a governor. If Bunny oh. ran for uh, the fucking controller or the fucking governor or the mayor of New York City, I wouldn't be surprised if this crazy bitch won. She would the win. Cunt troller. The controller. <laughs> well, I mean, we had Ronald Reagan as president. Right. His wife was an actress. We had Arnold Schwarzenegger as a governor of California. So, and and also, people were very excited about The Rock running right. uh, for office recently, and well, Oprah Winfrey polls at the top, uh, no matter what year it is. Well, well, you know what? You're right. You would never win because those people were talented. So, oh, uh, okay. You, you definitely wouldn't. So I right. want to bring. 
I want to bring up one more thing because we're both friends with the trans actress Bianca Lee, yes. who was in the Netflix film Disclosure, yes. which I watched, which is all about how um, a lot of the prejudice that trans people face being about negative representations of themselves from Hollywood over mm -hmm. the years in film. And I have to say that put all together, those some of those are shocking. I mean, like the trans is like the sicko in a crime drama who gets caught. You know, sometimes they mix up drag and trans. You know, they just use it as a like, oh, let's have a freaky, you know, villain or something like that. And so, um, you know, I'm sure that that was part of it. But you and Bianca were discussing this on Facebook and she was basically saying that the violence against trans women happens because of these, mainly because of these negative. And you chimed in and said, well, I don't know. Um, back in the day when I was turning tricks as a woman, I, and I'm paraphrasing you, mm -hmm. I, nine times out of 10, if I thought I could if trick a guy into thinking that I was a woman because mm -hmm. I passed as a woman, mm -hmm. then I would go ahead and do this, turn the trick, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so that does, that can lead to a dangerous situation. And a lot of my trans friends have always told me that you have to tell the guys that you're trans or you do risk some situation like that. But what is interesting to me about that is that it does challenge or add another layer to the narrative that trans people are just victims. You know, it, it says that there is, it attributes some blame saying sometimes trans women or indeed all prostitutes, male, female, whatever, um, put themselves into dangerous situations where, as you mentioned, there are drugs, their disease is passed, there's blackmail, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's different, you know, th th I mean, all, all I know from trans women, including those who have escorted and those who have not is say, if you want to avoid problems, tell the guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes uh, even if you tell them, they'll, they'll, they, 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 there could be some altercation around money. Like, right. you know, what, rule, rule number one, if you're a whore, you get the money up front. Girl, always get the money first, Always honey. get the money. That's the first rule of thumb I learned at 16 years old. My, tra my drag mother said, if you're going to go out into the street and get in a car with somebody, make sure they give you the money first. Absolutely. <laughs> I have whored my pussy before, and I did not do that same thing. Mm -hmm. But the dick mm -hmm. was right, so I was so I, <laughs> I let that $25 go. I was like, you know what? It's not worth it, girl. It's not worth it. <laughs> Monet, I find it hard to believe that you ever got twenty-five dollars. I mean, <laughs> and that was a steal. That was that was that was a bargain Wednesdays. It's normally it's, it's normally thirty. I knocked five dollars <gasps> off. Brian, you you are such a fascinating story. It, you are such a beautiful. Also, you have very honest eyes. I'm like looking at you. Your eyes are so honest. Like I feel Thank like you. you just are. Well, you. I don't know. You just, you just, you just touched my heart with your very beautiful, big eyes. Thank you so much. I should, I should, I should get a little eye lift. So I, I think that have... all the girls on your show on, on Drag Race need to get my book and get yes. it to their agents, honey, because those I... film rights are still available. I was just about to say, everyone, <laughs> make sure you please, please, please get transfigured. Pose is over now. You gotta find <laughs> pose is ended. That's the end. <laughs> This the end of pose, honey. These girls need jobs. There's at least 15 or 20 drag trans roles in my book. 
Yes. No, that's yes. that's true. Come now, on. Did you think did you think Pose did a good job with the trans, the HIV, the I mean, I thought that I was glad that they didn't whitewash it. And I found parts of it being very moving. I mean, they didn't cut out the fact that in these balls, some of these girls were hookers and they were wearing stolen dresses, you know? They didn't cut that out. I was glad. Yeah, I think it was I think they did a good job. Yeah. I yeah. I lived that life and have a lot of my own feelings about it. Um, it was a lot grittier than they portrayed in the series, and I guess they had to do that for TV. marketing and money and commercial reasons. But, yeah. you know, there's a lot of stuff that was left out uh, that could have, you know, made it a little more, added a little more depth to the gritty, raw, edgy nature of those lives at that time. I think they did miss a little bit of that. Yeah. But, for, well, I mean, for... This, but overall, like, on, they did a great job. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, based on Glee, which oh, I was not uh, a fan of, I thought they did... I thought it was much, so much grittier than I'd hoped, uh, than I thought it would be. Except for one thing, one thing I, <laughs> one thing I did take to Twitter and Facebook and Instagram on was the wedding scene where Dominique... Uh, where Electra is telling uh, Angel, you're going to be the first girl to walk down the aisle and you're going to have a wedding. And oh, yeah. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. She's not the first trans girl that had a wedding <laughs> yeah. and legally got married. Her name was Tris Gervais. Her name was Tish Chauvet. <laughs> Brian, thank you so much for coming to Everything Irony Podcast. Listen, everyone, y'all need to go purchase this book. It's called Transfigured, My Journey from Boy to Girl to Woman to Man. And also, make sure y'all ca catch a documentary, I'm Gonna Make You Love Me, directed by Karen Bernstein. And where can people find you on social media if they want to learn more? Oh, I'm, at, I'm on Twitter at BBLove, B-B-E-L-O-V. I'm on okay. uh, Instagram as Transfigured Book. Okay. And, and I'm Brian Belovich on Facebook. Okay. Work. Perfect. And, you know, well, my, you. My, my number's on some bathroom wall somewhere. Still? Yes. Um. Uh, oh right, my God! Right, they need to paint those. They right haven't under, painted those stalls since 1986. Right under yours. Oh. <laughs> oh my God! Even, even back then, you were a bunny. Bunny, you were a top back then. You were on top of uh, Brian. Uh, honey, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Decades ago, I was a top. Uh -huh. <laughs> or, or, or as we say, a blouse, a feminine top. <laughs> so true. Thank you so much, Brian. This is great. Thank you Thank so much. Thank you. Thank you, Bo. Ah, uh, fascinating, Bunny. Honestly, I'm not even saying this because Brian may or may not be listening. This was for sure one of my favorite interviews we've done. This was fascinating. Mm -hmm. Well. I agree. I agree. Brian has a unique story, and uh, glad he came on to share it with us. We should get Flame Monroe on the on the podcast, girl. Have, that would be a hoot a especially after her Breakfast Club interview moment. That would be gag. Okay. Yes, Flame is a trans uh, comedian who mm -hmm. um, she, she had a big moment recently. With Tiffany Haddish's, Haddish's yeah, Netflix show. Yeah. Oh, it was like okay. stand -up, the stand-up show. 
and uh, and and uh, Flame, Flame is fucking hilarious. Very funny on, on everything. Um, but yes, Flame did sort of. You know, Flame is actually from the pageant world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, back in Chicago. Um, yeah. So uh, th- th- that would be a fascinating interview. Yeah, well, you know what? I'll work my magic on getting Flame over here to Ebony Irony. I happen to know her better than you, so your oh, magic you? is not 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 accepted here. Okay. <laughs> Fine. Um, no, that was great, and thank y'all for listening. Again, please, 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 please get the book. The book is called Transfigured, My Journey from Boy to Girl to Woman to Man. I had it right. Look at me doubting myself. And um, Brian also has a documentary called I'm Gonna Make You Love Me, directed by Karen Bernstein. Check it out. As, as you guys heard, a very interesting and fascinating story, and the book is even better. You get yes. all the details. All the details that we didn't cover on the podcast today. Um, buddy, on that note, you have a horrible week. You do the same. I shan't. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast Network.